So it's Ezra 7, 1 to 10. Um, After all this, Ezra, it was during the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Ezra was the son of Sariah, son of Azariah, son of Hilkiah, son of Shalom, son of Zadok, son of Ahitab, son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son of Mariah, son of Zariah, son of Uzai, son of Buckeye, son of Abishua, son of Phinehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the high priest. That's Ezra. He arrived from Babylon, a scholar well-practiced in the revelation of Moses that God of Israel had given. Because God's hand was on Ezra, the king gave him everything he asked for. Some of the Israelites, priests, Levites, singers, temple security guards and temple slaves went with him to Jerusalem. It was in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. They arrived at Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king's reign. Ezra had scheduled their departure from Babylon on the first day of the first month, and they arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month under the generous guidance of his God. Ezra had committed himself to studying the revelation of God, to living it, and to teaching Israel to live its truth and ways. Thank you, Lucy. A round of applause for Lucy's magnificent handling of such a complicated reading with so many names. Now, there are several major news stories at the moment. And I think as the impact of the coronavirus has dominated the headlines for the last few days, there's been a little bit less coverage concerning the crisis arising out of flooding in various parts of the UK. Yorkshire, Shropshire, Herefordshire, Worcestershire, now parts of South Wales as well. Uh, And yet both these issues are very significant events and very challenging for many people. I'm thinking particularly just at this moment of those who have suffered from floods, those who've had to evacuate, and then come back to houses that have been flooded. I'm just wondering if anyone here has actually had that experience or has known anyone whose house has been flooded and who has had to return and look at the devastation and sort it out. First, is there anyone from the sort of the last month or two in this most recent episode? Anyone got family members or friends who are in the areas that are deeply affected by flooding? Okay, then just going back a a few years, are there others who perhaps historically have experience of that? I know I'm going to uh, just, uh, I know I can safely come across in this direction. Paul, what did it feel like when you came back to your house being uh, in a complete west, uh, in just a word or two? Apart from the redecoration we got, it was brilliant, yeah. Um, No, we had our garage, conservatory and living room flooded about... Two years ago now um, is when we had the month around month worth of rain in one day. Um, and it was pretty scary, to be honest, because I wasn't there. Uh, Lizzie was there. She couldn't actually get to the house to start off with. Um, and then she went to check on her sister's house, Sarah. Um, and theirs was fine. And then came back to ours and found that ours was then flooded. Um, so she called. We went. Um, and it was get the boots and try and clear as much stuff as we can. Get it upstairs. Get it onto chairs. Um, it could have been worse. I think that's the key. Um, the two houses next to us, they got flooded by the river. Um, they've both moved out now. Um, they redecorated. They never actually moved back in. 
Um, so, um, yeah, we're kind of quite fortunate, to be honest. Thank you. But not a nice experience. No. Anyone else uh, have had that uh, story to tell over recent years? Now, this link might feel just a little bit tenuous, but it does seem to me that the idea of coming back to a place that is uh, not what you thought it would be, um, that has been devastated by flood or maybe indeed by fire. Others have houses that have been devastated by fire. What about the experience of the people of Israel in Old Testament times as they came back to the city of Jerusalem that had been totally destroyed? Because that is the backcloth to Ezra and to other parts of uh, what we call the period of time after the exile. There must have been that feeling of helplessness and hopelessness at the scale of destruction. You see, most of the Old Testament story takes place in and around what we now call the land of Israel, Palestinian territories. But there are one or two parts of the Old Testament story that are elsewhere. Way back at the beginning of the story, there was uh, the time when the Israelites were in Egypt and when Moses uh, appealed to the Pharaoh to let my people go. And then they had the time of wandering through the wilderness. And then much later in the story was the time when the Assyrian army came and captured the northern kingdom, and then a little bit after that, when the Babylonian army came and captured Jerusalem, and the whole of the nation were taken away uh, to a place called Babylon, which uh, in our language today is about 50 miles south of Baghdad in what we call Iraq. And then some while later, they were able to return. And I wonder what it felt like to return to Jerusalem. Something on a much larger scale than coming back to your own home and finding that it had been flooded. It took courageous leaders to enable the people of Israel to face that devastation in Jerusalem and to come back and to effectively move forward as a people. They actually came back in three groups and there were three different leaders for that period of return. The first group was led by Zerubbabel. Now, I know some of these Old Testament names are becoming a little bit fashionable these days. Has anyone got a child called Zerubbabel? Does anyone know of a Zerubbabel today? Any Zerubbabels around us? Okay. So the third group that came back to Jerusalem, uh, they were led by Nehemiah. Has anyone got a Nehemiah in the family today? don't think that one's quite come back into fashion yet. Maybe it will. Anyone don't know any Nehemiahs? Okay. But the middle group, I'm sure you guess what's coming, was, of course, led by Ezra. And I think we do have an Ezra, don't we? We know we have an Ezra in the congregation today. Uh, I can see that Martin has crept back into church to check on my theology at this point. Ezra was one of those who led the people of Israel back to Jerusalem. And there is a very important verse in our reading about Ezra. Ezra chapter 7 and verse 6 that the hand of the Lord his God was upon him. Or in the uh, 
Good news translation, Ezra had the blessing of the Lord his God. Actually, this phrase, whichever phrase you might use in the English translation, it's repeated three times in the same chapter. Verses 6, verse 9, and verse 28. The hand of the Lord was upon him. The hand of the Lord was upon him. The hand of the Lord was upon him. Not only did he lead the people back to Jerusalem, but he also had a letter from the king of Persia. And by this time, it was the Persians who had overthrown the Babylonians, and it was Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, who gave Ezra a letter to say that he could take with him, going back to Jerusalem, the Israelites who wanted to go, including priests and Levites, and he could take large amounts of silver and gold for the Jerusalem temple, and he could take money to buy animals and grain to make sacrifices according to their custom when they got back to Jerusalem. It was an incredibly generous letter from the king and an amazing and remarkable offer. And it happened because Ezra had the blessing of God upon him. It's an amazing part of the Old Testament story. And as I reflect on Ezra, and uh, I just couldn't resist the temptation of preaching from Ezra this morning. Actually, I don't think I have ever preached from the book of Ezra before, so this is a first. Um, but as I reflect on Ezra and on this story, there are two very important questions that come to my mind. And the first is this, why did Ezra know the blessing of God? And the second, when we come to it, will be how do we know the blessing of God today? But let's stay with the Ezra of the Old Testament just for a few more moments. How did this person know the blessing of God? There were actually four things about Ezra which are explained both in our reading and in the chapters following our reading that tell us why this person knew the blessing of God. And the first is that he knew the Bible. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10, for Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. He had devoted himself to the studying of the law. Now clearly, uh, we have a lot more of the Bible than Ezra did. And I'll come back to that in a moment. But for Ezra, what was in front of him, what had been put into scrolls, he studied carefully, he devoted himself to that, and he taught it. He knew the Bible. And then Ezra also showed great wisdom, verse 25. This is uh, the tail end of the letter from the king. And the king said, And you, Ezra, in accordance with the wisdom of your God, which you possess, appoint magistrates and judges, to administer justice to the people. It was the king who was acknowledging that Ezra had great wisdom. Ezra the prophet, Ezra the priest rather, had immense wisdom. He knew the Bible. He had wisdom. He was humble before God. Going on into the next chapter, chapter 8 and verse 21. There by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. He didn't rush into the journey to Jerusalem. Having given permission to go, 
gathered the people who were going with him and the uh, particular objects of silver and gold and the money that was being given for them to take. Once he'd gathered them together, he paused, he prayed, he humbled himself before God. When he got there, there were all kinds of challenges that he faced. Something had already been done because there was a group that had gone ahead of them some years previously. But Ezra found that there were big challenges in Jerusalem, and it was a difficult task. And coupled with all that we've already said, in chapter 10 we find that Ezra expected obedience from the people. He actually challenged the people who were there and those who returned with him. And he said, now honor the Lord, the God of your ancestors, and do his will. There was an expectation that the people needed to change their ways. This was the Ezra of the Bible. This is what he did. This is how he knew the blessings of God, that he knew his Bible, he showed wisdom, he was humble before God, and he expected obedience from the people. And the name Ezra means help. And his whole life was devoted to helping the people of God. Now, clearly, we live in a very different world today. This all happened 2,500 years ago, 500 years before the time of Jesus. So much has changed since then. And yet I believe that there is a vital link between the Ezra of the Bible and our lives today. And so the second question is the one that brings all this up to date. How do we know the blessing of God today? We've already prayed for God's blessing on the young life of Ezra not. And I believe that that is real this morning. God will bless him. God will protect him. God will journey with him throughout his life. It's so good that Martin and Jackie have gathered together six prayer partners to pray especially for Ezra as he grows up. And their support, along with the love and the care that Martin and Jackie will bring to him as parents, will have such an impact upon Ezra's life. And we know that God will bless them. I'm just going to digress for a moment. And to add that at this point as a church, we're so blessed to have Martin and Jackie and their family among us. And many of you know, most of you know, I'm sure, that uh, Martin and Jackie are both very, very involved in the life of the church. And that uh, uh, up until Ezra was born, they were sharing the role of family and children's specialists and uh, working among us wonderfully well. And uh, since Jackie's been on maternity leave, Martin has been working full-time, uh, just getting the feel of what full-time ministry is all about. And uh, though, of course, you knew that beforehand, but came back into that uh, role. And it's been absolutely splendid. We are ever so, so grateful. It's not easy in church leadership. But uh, Martin has shown great qualities of wisdom, humility, and faith. Uh, looking forward to having Jackie come back into the team and praying today God's blessing upon them as a family as they continue to journey with us. But what about everyone else who's here today? There's a challenge as to how we can all know and receive the blessing of God today. 
How might the hand of the Lord be upon us as we journey through our lives here and now? What applied to Ezra in the Bible applies to us as well. And so we need to hear this challenge. We all need to hear this challenge this morning. That first of all, we need to know what God has said in the Bible. And we started very much with that, with those opening songs, especially the song that expressed uh, those deep convictions as to what we believe, as to what God has given to us in the Bible, as to who he is, who Jesus is, uh, how the Holy Spirit works among us. And we have so much more than what Ezra had. As far as we know, all that Ezra had in written form were the early books of the Bible, maybe only sections of those books. He had the laws that were given to Moses, not much else. We have the whole of the Old Testament. We have the whole of the New Testament. And this Bible is a complex compilation of books, 66 of them in all. And it can sometimes seem a bit daunting to try and understand it. I was speaking yesterday morning with a lady in another church who had spent much of her life homeless or living in hostels. Uh, this particular congregation serves the homeless community in a very powerful way, uh, quite a long way away from here. I was in South End in Essex. And as we were talking, it was just fascinating to listen to her. And she was at the time reading the book of Proverbs. I said, you enjoy reading the Bible? She says, I love reading the Bible. I struggle a bit with the book of Revelation. I said, don't we all? Don't be put off by the difficult sections. This book is an amazing treasure. And the biggest theme of Scripture, of course, is salvation. All of the Old Testament leads up to the life of Jesus. All the New Testament follows on from the life of Jesus. And the name Jesus means saviour. So the biggest message of the Bible is that when we trust in Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven from all that is wrong. And he can be our saviour and our friend today. So we need to know what God has said to us in the Bible. And we need to understand and recognize the importance of the big themes of Scripture. And then we also need godly wisdom. And I think that in modern language, that means we need a different worldview. Instead of looking at the world through the lens of our own lives or the culture around us, we need to look at the world through the lens of what God has said and what God has done. It's his world. He made it. It's not ours. Life is in his hands, not in our hands. You might think in this way, that God as the creator of the world is the most creative person. And it is because of his creativity that we too have creativity in our lives. And we can use that badly or we can use it well. And God wants us to use it well and to come to him and to find in him the focus for the life that then emerges according to the different gifts that God has given to us. When we look at the world through God's lens, from God's perspective, based on God's revelation, we will see things differently and we will behave differently as well. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament wrote about not conforming to the standards of this world, but being transformed by the renewal of our minds to act differently because our minds have a godly wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. 
So like Ezra in the Old Testament, we need to know what God has said in the Bible, and we need a godly wisdom in the way that we think and live. But also like Ezra, we need to live in humble dependence upon God. Ezra was humble before God. He called the people to fast and to pray before they set off on that journey to Jerusalem. We need to come to God and say we depend upon him. And we need to pray to him. Today is the first Sunday in Lent. Now for many years, the Christian church has viewed the season of Lent differently. A time for special prayer and reflection on the meaning of life and how we're living our own lives. Traditionally, people give up something for Lent, and that's always a good thing to do. But more importantly, to take up something for Lent, which will strengthen your spiritual life, or even to wake up during Lent to some of the deeper things in life that we often forget. I wonder, what are you going to do differently during Lent this year? How are you going to live in a way that expresses your dependence upon God? recognizing his love for you, his forgiveness to you, his willingness to forgive and restore your broken life. Come back to that in just a moment. But first to complete our application from the life of Ezra, that finally we need to behave differently. Because Ezra called the people in his time to honor the Lord and to do his will. And that's not easy in a world where so many people ignore God and often live only to please themselves. We're called to be different, to honor God in every part of our lives. True Christianity is believing that God has made this world, that Jesus is the Son of God who died for us and rose again, that he can forgive us our sins, make us his children. And as well as believing those things, we need to behave differently because we believe those things. And that affects everything. Money, time, relationships, work, home, leisure. Absolutely everything becomes a different way of life when our focus is on what God wants us to do. And we who have known the love of God must love others. We who have been forgiven must forgive. We who understand something of the justice of God must seek justice in the world today. And we who have been blessed more than we can ever imagine by such an amazing God are called to be a blessing to those who are around us. So as we reflect on Ezra in the Old Testament and on our own lives today, just for a moment I'm going to light a candle. Maybe to mark the beginning of Lent, it was actually on Wednesday, of course, with Ash Wednesday. But this is the first Sunday. So let's light that candle just to mark this particular season. I wonder what you, whether there's something you've heard today that is especially important to you, something that's really clicked in your mind. I wonder what are you going to do differently as you come into this time of year? 
I wonder how you're going to respond to what you've heard about Ezra this morning. The way in which your life will be different. Recognizing the example of this amazing person from the Bible. At the end of the service, as you leave, everyone is going to be offered a tea light. I'd like you to take this. And I'd like you to take it and maybe later today or tomorrow, whenever you have a little bit of space and time, I'd like you to light the tea light. Just to sit down in a quiet place. Just to think about those deeper things of life. What you've heard this morning. What does Jesus mean to you? How are you going to live life differently? Have you actually come to the point of believing and trusting in him? Just allow God to speak into your life in the stillness. As you spend some time with the candle lit in front of you. That's for later. The candles are here. They'll be offered to you as you leave. But just for now, just to hold a moment of stillness, then some words that we'll say together on the screen, and then Nick is going to come and lead us in further prayers.